Good morning. It is good to be here. It is good to gather in God's house. Um, just a couple of announcements as we begin. Um, Sunday night Bible study, we will resume next week at five o'clock and we will meet in the fellowship hall um, and we will be on, um, I believe it's chapter nine of the Westminster Confession of Faith. So we'll pick up there next Sunday, next Sunday evening at five. The session will meet tomorrow at five o'clock in the fellowship hall. Um, we do have our women's and men's Bible studies, both on Wednesday night at six o'clock. Um, women of the church will have a meeting on March 23rd at two o'clock. Um, and uh, I do have one other announcement. Are there any other announcements uh, that I missed? All right, we, I mentioned several months ago that we were looking at starting a, a ministry of reaching out to people who were potentially... Um, stuck at home uh, through pandemic or for whatever reasons without um, uh, ability to have visitors and just struggling and suffering under the loneliness of that particular aspect of the pandemic and, and really life in general, even prior to the pandemic. Um, we are ready to begin with that. And what we need is some stuff to be able to give as care packages, as well as um, uh, people who may be willing to deliver and make phone calls and, and talk to people as well, just to offer some form of camaraderie and companionship to people in the midst of their loneliness. Uh, back on the bulletin board, back uh, behind where the Pearsons sit, uh, for those of you that have been here for a while, you know how we raised the money for kids for camp for a while where there were envelopes hanging up there. Well, there are now slips of paper with different types of goods, uh, Kleenexes, travel size soaps, uh, note cards, things like that. So if you feel led to help out and to give and to donate, please take one of those little slips of paper off there and, and bring that stuff back within the next couple of weeks so we can then begin to compile the boxes and um, to, we already have, from what I understand, we already have two or three people that we could be taking stuff to as soon as possible. So um, please help us out with putting those things together. If you would rather be somebody who prays or um, delivers or coordinates, please let us know as well, either myself or I'm going to go ahead and, and volunteer Jonathan on behalf of Kimberly. Um, uh, they're the, Kimberly's kind of the contact person on this as well. Um, so if you have any questions about that, if you have any questions about how it's going to work, please let me know, or as I said, the Pearsons, um, but this is something we would like to get moving forward. One of the two of the, one of the things that we are going to put in each box is a, uh, outreach New Testament that will have the gospel in it as well so that we can meet not only people's physical needs, but spiritual needs also. Is that pretty clear, clear as mud there? Okay, so as I said on the bulletin board in the back are the opportunities to donate toward this. Uh, our call to worship is found in the bulletin. It is a, a reading from Psalm 4, verses 6 through 8. And so join me as we are called into God's worship through his word. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine on us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace, 
For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Join me in prayer. Our God and Father, the great refuge of those who are in distress, we have come to this place of peace and safety at your call. We have come out of the dangers of this world and seek you and to worship you. Please remind us that you are always near to your people. Please strengthen us with the knowledge of your presence. And remind us that we are safe here in your presence because of the work of redemption accomplished by Jesus and applied to us by the Holy Spirit. As part of our worship, we lift up our voices together in in the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please take that green book there in the pew before you, Bible songs, and turn to Bible song number seven, Faith and Peace. Let us stand and sing and be reminded that God brings peace to those who have faith in him. So let us stand and sing Bible Song 7. be seated. Our prayer of confession today is a responsive prayer, so join me as we confess together our sins. Our lips are ready to confess, but our hearts are slow to feel 
and our wills are reluctant to repent. We bring our entire selves to you this morning. Bend us, wound us, and if necessary, break us. We have seen the purity of your perfect word, the happiness of those in whose heart it reigns, the calm dignity of the walk to which it calls. Yet we daily violate its precepts. Your loving spirit strives within us and brings us scripture warnings, speaks in startling providences, allures by secret whispers. Yet we make shameful choices that grieve him and quench his influence. We mourn and lament these sins, crying to you for pardon. Grant that through the tears of repentance, we see more clearly the goodness and glory of our Savior and his cross. Amen. Hear these words of assurance given to us by the psalmist. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter four, beginning in verse one. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared on my oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following the example of disobedience. The grass withers, the flowers fail, but the word of our Lord stands forever. As part of the people of God, we are called to give to his work through the giving of tithes and offerings. We have the basket here. We have the offering plate in the narthex on the way out the door. Um, So please prayerfully consider what God would have you give to his work today.
Let us pray. God of abundance, we thank you for all that you have given to us. Help us to realize the joy of giving to your work. Please accept what has been given and use it in such a way that your glorious good news is proclaimed here and to the ends of the earth. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take the maroon book before you and turn to hymn number 198. When we look to the cross and truly begin to understand the depth of the riches of God's grace, God's grace poured God, by His grace, poured the punishment for my sin upon the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. As we consider that, we should be led to worship and to change lives. So let us remain standing and sing hymn number 198, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Please be seated. It is good for the people of God to proclaim and to profess together what it is that we believe. So Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, he suffered under Pontius Pilate, 
was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Just a couple of prayer updates as we go to the Lord in prayer. We do uh, um, continue to lift up Cohen Bramley. Just pray for him and his family. Um, Natalie Wade as well. Did you, you have any updates on Natalie? Okay. Okay. So just continue to pray for Natalie and her family. Um, Al Petrie is in the hospital with congestive heart failure. So please be praying for him. Also pray for Janie Kirk as she had a little episode this week and um, she's on the mend, feeling better. So please continue to pray for her. Um, Mitchell Sutton, um, many of you may remember him. He's filled in here for me several times. He is in Fort Sill in Oklahoma, um, continuing his work as an army, army chaplain. So please continue to pray for him. Um, also for Nathan in Charlottesville and that plant, the church plant that's going on there. We do have a presbytery meeting this Saturday, so please be in prayer for that also, um, as we have several issues to discuss. Any other updates? Yes. I assisted Danny in his has a probable diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. Mm. Okay, so gay foreign, correct? Yeah, gay foreign has been diagnosed with probable Parkinson's disease. So pray for that. And we're glad Kermit's back with us today too. So. Doug and Margie, uh, keep them. Right. Fine. Keep them. Anything else? All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our great and sovereign God who sits enthroned in the heavens, you command the righteous to sing and praise and to worship you. We sing today because you have considered us righteous in Christ. You, the triune and eternal God, worked in history to draw and save a people for yourself. As a triune God, you were whole and complete in companionship and in love. You did not need to create a world and fill it with animals and people in order to be whole or complete. Yet you decreed the creation of the cosmos. This decree included the reality that you are brought the greatest glory in the fall of humanity and their salvation through the Trinitarian work of redemption. The Father chose and set the plan in motion. The Son accomplished all things necessary for redemption. And the Spirit applies that redemption to those who believe in their heart and confess with their mouths that God has raised Jesus from the dead. Since we are righteous in Christ, you hear our singing and are glorified in our worship. Forgive us, O Lord, for forgetting who you are and what that means for us as we live our lives. We forget that you are just and true. We forget that everything you say, everything you decree is firmly rooted in the strong foundation of your faithfulness. We forget that you love righteousness and justice and that you hate sin and oppression. We forget that this earth is full of the evidence of your unfailing love and covenant faithfulness. 
And in forgetting these things, we fret and despair about the world around us. We tend toward worry and trying to bend history according to our own strength, rather than finding rest and contentment in you. We deny your strength and your ability to sovereignly bring us to the glorious life that you have for us. Forgive our forgetfulness. Forgive the worrisome and fretful lives that we live because of that forgetfulness. Forgive us for, instead of turning to you, turning to distractions, pleasure, beauty, substances, food, relationships, all things that you have created and called good, but we have made into little gods. In our forgetfulness, we turn to idols and things of this world to replace you. In forgetting and turning away from you, we heap more worry and despair upon ourselves. Please show us the futility of putting our hope in the things of this world rather than in you. Please show us the glorious rest and contentment that awaits us if we rest in and rely on you. We pray for rest and contentment in the midst of their ailing for our brothers and sisters that we have mentioned. We pray for Gay and ask that you bring her rest and peace and comfort and strength in the midst of this diagnosis. We pray for Cohen and his family as they still struggle with uh, his um, uh, marrow transplants and with the unknown nature of his disease. We pray for Natalie and her family and ask that you give them a rest and a strength in you as they walk this difficult road. For Al Petrie, we ask for healing for him and, and strength for him and wisdom for his doctors. We pray for Janie and ask that you continue to lift her up and to sustain her and to help her find her rest and peace in you. We pray for Mitchell and his work in Fort Sill and ask that you would bless it and bless him in that work. Bless this new child that he has and his family. We pray for your work in Charlottesville and ask that you would be glorified in that work. We pray for the work of Presbytery this weekend as we deal with business matters and theology matters of your church. May you be glorified and may you give us wisdom. Oftentimes we are weighed down by evil and despair in the world around us. We are brokenhearted by the things that go on in this world that we know you hate. We desire to rage against the evil that seems to destroy the lives of children and the infirm. We lament and hate that the most dangerous place for an unborn, unborn child is in the womb of a woman with a choice. We cry out against the perversions of the, that are forced upon women and children in the pursuit of pleasure. We wail against the injustices carried out against people merely because they have a different ethnicity. In the midst of this rage and lament and wailing, we ask, where are you, Lord? You promise that you will defend the widow and the fatherless. You promise that you cherish the alien and the stranger. Where are you? As we sit in this sanctuary, we are reminded that this world is not all there is. If it were, if there were no hope of a new heavens and a new earth, this world would be a hopeless place. While we seek to bring your justice to this unjust world, we know that our exertions will fall short. But we can work toward justice in this world because we know that true justice will be done when Jesus returns. Temper our rage and our lament and our wailing with the hope of that world where wrongs are truly punished with the full weight of what they deserve. 
And as we rage and lament and wail, help us to take the hope that we have and share it with those who rage and lament and wail alongside us. Help us to show them the glory of the salvation that came through the abandoned Son of God, the truly human and truly divine man who hung on the cross and satisfied your justice. As you raged and lamented and wailed against our sin and our rebellion in him, you were able to pour out grace upon us. Help us to show the hope that we have so that others might see the reality of the hope that comes through the slain and resurrected lamb. Help us to desire his quick return and help us to turn this desire for his return into a reminder that there are those who need to hear and believe the gospel message before he does return. Give us rest and contentment as we seek to live and serve in a world that groans as it awaits your full redemption. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen. Please take your Bibles in hand and turn with me to the book of Proverbs. We are continuing our message in Proverbs, beginning in Proverbs chapter 8. And we will read through Proverbs 23 as we consider these words of Solomon. So please follow along as I read. He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who cherishes understanding prospers. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who pours out lies will perish. It is not fitting for a fool to live in luxury. How much worse for a slave to rule over princes. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. A king's rage is like the roar of a lion, but his favor is like dew on the grass. A foolish son is his father's ruin, and a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping. Houses and wealth are inherited from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Laziness brings on deep sleep, and the shiftless man goes hungry. He who obeys instructions guards his life, but he who, con- he who is contemptuous of his ways will die. He was kind to the poor, lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. Discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. A hot-tempered man must pay the penalty. If you rescue him, you will have to do it again. Listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. What a man desires is unfailing love, better to be poor than a liar. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. Let us approach God's throne in prayer once again. God of grace and holiness, you have begun a good work in each of us, and you have promised to bring that work to completion. Part of, part of bringing us to the end of your good work is sitting at the feet of your word and learning of you, of your law, of your provision for redemption, and of the glory that awaits us in your presence. Help us to see the reality of these things today as we consider these words of Solomon. Show us where we fall short of your glory and remind us that we are holy, chosen, and beloved. Show us where we have wrong expectations of you and remind us that you discipline those you love. Regardless of how you meet us in this passage, bring to mind the wonderful promise that you will complete 
the work that you have begun in us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So I put in the work and the time here, and I deserve to make more than someone who just started working here last month. I remember saying something along those lines to one of the managers at the grocery store I worked at while I was in college. It wasn't a snarky comment. It wasn't an arrogant comment, although as a, as a person in my early 20s, it might have come across that way to him. But it was an admission that there was an unfairness in the workplace. The minimum wage had just been raised from a whopping $3.35 an hour to a whopping $3.75 an hour. And I had worked there for a couple years and I had earned raises that brought me up on my own to about that level where the new minimum wage was going to be set. And I did not think it was right that somebody who was hired yesterday was now going to be making as much as I did. It wasn't fair. Now we can do the same thing with God oftentimes. We have spent some time with Solomon. We have spent time reading and studying his words of wisdom, seeking to see what they meant for Rehoboam as he wrote them to him, and also seeking to see what they mean for us as we seek to apply them to our lives in the 21st century. And in verse 22 in today's passage, we see what our desire is. It is God's unfailing love as we pursue wisdom. We pursue the precepts of wisdom and we want God to show us his unfailing love by giving us the rewards that he has promised in his book. But the second half of verse 22 reminds us that the Proverbs are more descriptive than they are prescriptive. While God does oftentimes reward those who pursue him, many times his unfailing love, his covenant faithfulness is shown in ways that think that either we messed up or things are not working according to the way that God has promised. We have a tendency to question, to doubt, and to fret. So in today's passage is going to help us deal with those times when we have pursued wisdom as Solomon has taught it, but things don't quite work out the way we expect. Many of the Proverbs given in this passage are summaries of wisdom's teaching that we have considered already. And as we move through these teachings, we will begin to see God's involvement in the wisdom process and that we are called to find rest and contentment in God's sovereignty. First of all, the summary of wisdom, wisdom's teaching. Our passage opens in verse um, eight today with a reminder that life comes through the pursuit of wisdom. And we see that we show love to ourselves. We, we cherish our own soul as we cherish understanding and God's wisdom. This is something that's hard for us to understand in our culture today, that we show our love for ourselves by conforming to God's will and to God's law. We have so separated ourselves from the transcendent in our culture that we find the only expression of love for self in the pursuit of pleasure and desires. Sometimes these pleasures and desires can look like good or altruistic things as we find pleasure in helping the homeless or the hungry, or we find pleasure in, in serving and volunteering in civic organizations. But if those things become the means by which we find pleasure and meaning and love of ourselves in our lives, then our attitudes, our hearts are in the wrong place. 
we truly show that we love ourselves by seeking to conform to God's desires, by seeking to conform to what God would have us to do and to live according to the way that he has us live. Our desires, if we pursue them apart from God's desires, will lead us to hell. Paul tells us in Ephesians 1 and 2 that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Our our spiritual state is a state of death and the Holy Spirit must come in and change our hearts so that we will now desire what God desires rather than what we desire. The Spirit must regenerate us, must resurrect our dead hearts so that we can pursue God's wisdom, so that we can pursue God's law and find life and find a true love for God and a true love for ourselves and for our neighbors. And as we have been changed by the Spirit, we begin to pursue the wisdom that Solomon has for us in this passage. Verse 9 reminds us that in the pursuit of justice, whether it's in a court of law or righting wrongs in society, that we must do so truthfully. We must do so in a way that conforms with God's law. Otherwise, it brings death to ourselves and death to others. And in the original context, in the law courts of the Israelites, uh, according to the book of Deuteronomy, if you brought a false charge against somebody and it was found to be false, you were liable for the punishment that you sought to bring on the other person. In verse 12, Solomon brings this courtroom scenario into the throne room and reminds us that dealing well with the king is a result of wisdom, as we saw in chapter 16 of the book of Proverbs. Verse 10 reminds us it's improper for the fool to live in luxury, just as it is improper, so to speak, for the inmates to run the asylum. This is expanded on in verse 14 as we are reminded that the lazy, the indolent, will find themselves hungry and destitute. Verse 11 reminds us that as we grow in wisdom, we gain the necessary, excuse me, we gain the necessary tools to manage relationships well. Verse 19 reminds us that these relationship tools, um, wrong, wrong chapter, it would help if we're in the right place there. Verse 19 reminds us that um, we have to be careful with the with the habitually hot-tempered man because you might rescue him when he gets himself in trouble, but without wisdom, he will find himself there and you will have to do it again. In the realm of managing relationships as well, verse 12 brings it into the family in negative terms, reminding us that the lack of a wisdom brings problems into the family. And verse 18 calls us to use wisdom in the discipline of children reminding us that there is hope not only for the child, but for the family in bringing discipline to them. Verse 14 reminds us that God is involved in this process of receiving the benefit through wisdom. While we are the ones pursuing wisdom, specifically in verse 14, the wisdom of a prudent wife, it is God who brings not only the wisdom, but the benefit to us in that. And in the midst of the summary of wisdom's teaching, Paul tells us, or excuse me, Solomon, I'm a good Presbyterian, Paul wrote everything. (laughs) Solomon tells us in verses 16 and 17 that there are rewards. He who obeys instruction guards his life, but he who is contemptuous of his ways will die. 
He who is kind to the Lord or to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward him for what he has done. We read this and we think I am going to pursue wisdom with all my heart and God is going to reward me for the kindness and the generosity that I bring to those around me as my wisdom brings me and the people around me to prosperity. We feel the promise here as we are striving to apply Solomon's lessons to our own lives because God promises us the rewards of wisdom. That's not a bad thing. God gave us rewards to to help motivate us to pursue wisdom, to pursue righteousness, to pursue his law, to pursue his desires. And what he has said is good. So it's not necessarily bad for us to say, God tells me to pursue wisdom. God promises me benefits of wisdom. So I am going to pursue wisdom and expect benefits from God. We can expect God to keep his promises. We can expect God to keep his words. But when that becomes the only motivation, becomes a sinful motivation, and it also becomes a motivation that leads us to distress. Because let's face it, We live in a world that is fallen and broken by sin. God is sovereign over that world, as we'll see here in a few moments, but it is still a world that is fallen and broken by sin. And sometimes the hot-tempered man doesn't need rescuing the second time because he finds a place of prominence and importance. Sometimes the fool does end up living a life of luxury. Sometimes those who pursue wickedness and folly live lives of wealth and riches, riches, while the holy, the wise, the righteous live lives of poverty and oppression. And our temptation is to say, God, I am pursuing your will, your law. Why aren't things working out according to what you said? The last part of today's passage, beginning in verse 20, tells us that those things are working out according to the way that God said. Listen to advice and accept instruction. And in the end, you will be wise. Solomon opens this particular portion of the passage with this call to listen. As we've, as we've seen in the book of Proverbs, listening is not merely the act of hearing. It's not merely the act of allowing vibrations in the air to, to collide with your eardrums and have those electrical impulses go to your brain through the, the, the ear nerve. Hearing, listening in the scriptures is a call to understanding and action. Solomon here is saying, I am going to give you six lines of advice. In light of the promises that God has given, in light of your pursuit of wisdom, in light of the fact that it doesn't always work out the way we're expecting, I'm going to give you six lines of advice that you need to understand and put in action in your life. The first two lines, many are the plans of a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. We've seen this before in the book of Proverbs, but it's good to be reminded of this. We have plans. We have wants. 
We have desires. We, we pursue wisdom. We pursue righteousness. We pursue God's laws. And we pursue the rewards that he gives us. But God's plans never fail. And where our plans collide with God's plans, where our expectations collide with God's plans, God's plans will always prevail. And that's okay. That's actually great. Because if I carried out all of my plans according to the way I wanted things to work out, I would have missed a ton of glory in my life, a ton of God's glory, a ton of God's goodness in my life. I would have messed things up because I don't have God's perspective on wisdom. I don't have an infinite amount of knowledge that knows how everything is working together in the world, directed for God's glory, directed for God's goodness, directed for my good. All I can see is an infinitesimal little speck that is my life and my knowledge of what's going on in the world. So God's plans prevail, and that is a wonderful thing. See, I desire the unfailing love that that is there, that is mentioned there in in verse 22. That unfailing love is, is given to us in other places of the scripture as steadfast love. Psalm 136, over and over again, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Kindness, mercy, loving kindness. Those are pictures there that are that are full in this word that here is translated unfailing love. But ultimately, it is God's love to us in his covenant faithfulness. He has begun a good work in us. He has promised to see that work to completion and how he works out his wisdom in our lives sovereignly and in his control. Well, if God chooses to make me poor and wise, that is better than being a liar. And the unspoken there is being a liar and wealthy. It is better to be wise and have nothing, to be destitute, because that is what God has declared for you than it is to rebel against that, to throw aside wisdom, to throw aside integrity and be wealthy in the world's eyes. And then he wraps up with this promise. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. We know from from Proverbs 1 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So fear of the Lord and wisdom can be used interchangeably throughout the um, book of Proverbs. And what Solomon reminds us here is the fear of the Lord, the pursuit of wisdom, leads to a life that is marked by restfulness and contentment. What are restfulness and contentment? Well, first, rest. Now, rest isn't merely the stopping of activity. You know, I can lounge around today in the in the recliner after um, after church is over, after we have lunch, I can kind of kick the recliner back. I can doze off, wake myself up multiple times snoring. All those different things that I can do, which is a complete cessation of activity. Not a complete, but enough. And yet still wake up from that cessation of activity exhausted. Because my mind hadn't stopped. 
My mind's still going 150 miles an hour trying to fix and control the things that are under God's sovereign fixing and controlling that I have absolutely no control over. This rest here is a full and total and complete realization that the things that I want to control but can't, the things that I want to control but can't that cause me worry and fret are in God's control. And once I pursue that to the point where I fully begin to understand it, not only do I find physical rest, but I can begin to find emotional and spiritual rest as well. Because all these things are above my pay grade, so to speak. And not only can I not control them, I shouldn't try. And and it's not a... It's not just a stoic letting go. It is what it is. I catch myself saying that at times, and it's one of my least favorite phrases. It's not just it is what it is, so I've just got to deal with it. It's, it, it's a rest. It's a, it's a joy, especially when we, when we couple it with contentment that we'll look at here in a minute. It's a, it's a joy in the midst of trouble and strife. Not only do we find rest, we find contentment in the sovereignty of God. Contentment is a sense of fullness or satisfaction that can only come from resting in and realizing God's sovereignty. In Philippians 4, 11 through 13, Paul says, in everything I am content. I know what it is to abound. I know what it is to be brought low. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me through Christ. See, Paul learned this directly from God in 2 Corinthians 12. He talks about how he went to God and he prayed, remove this thorn from my flesh. And what was God's answer? My grace is sufficient. That word sufficient there is the same word contentment in Philippians 4. My grace is sufficient for you. In Christ, Paul found the answer to being content. In the sovereignty of God, as it worked out in the life of Christ, we sang, when I survey the wondrous cross a few moments ago. The cross was anything but wondrous in the moment. It was the most cursed physical way you could die at the time. And it was also the place where God took the full boiling cup of his wrath and poured it out on Christ. The perfect, truly God, truly man was one of the most heinous acts, the most heinous act in history. And yet God in his sovereignty willed it to happen so that we might have salvation. So that Paul could be fully satisfied in plenty and in hunger, in abundance, and in need. And so that regardless of what's going on in our lives, we too can find fullness and satisfaction, a restful contentment in God's sovereignty. And this rest and contentment allows us to be untouched by trouble. I'm sorry to tell you that doesn't mean what you're really hoping it means. It means we will be unpunished by trouble. It doesn't mean trouble won't come. It doesn't mean that, in, that God in his sovereignty won't bring you into the valley of the shadow of death. 
It doesn't mean that God and his sovereignty will not allow you to wander under your own power into the valley of the shadow of death. But it means that for whatever reason we find ourselves there. We can have joy in the midst of suffering. We can have rest in the midst of trouble. And we know that because of the glorious future promised to us in Christ, the future of the new heavens and the new earth, those difficult circumstances cannot destroy us, cannot separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus. Solomon here reminds us that in the pursuit of wisdom, things are not always going to work out as they are described in the book of Proverbs. But God is sovereign over that. And in his sovereignty, we can find rest and contentment. I put the work and the time in here and I deserve to make more than someone who started working here last month. That one actually worked out well for me. Five years later or so, I stood in another man's office and I said, I put in the time and the work here. I've made you look good. And he said, I'm sorry. I have to cut somebody and I've chosen you. And I walked out the door. Things don't always work out the way we want in a fallen and broken world. But they work out according to God's sovereign plan. The righteous suffer. The wicked are rewarded. But the hope and the rest and the contentment and all of that comes in knowing that God is sovereign. We weep. We wail. We rage against the horrors of living in this world. But in Christ, we are untouched eternally by those things because we have learned the wisdom of God's sovereignty. Let's pray. Lord, if we are honest with ourselves, if we are honest with you, we rage and wail and lament far more than we care to admit. It's a hard world to live in. And we pursue righteousness as you have called us to do. We, we seek to be faithful to your law, to your wisdom. We fail and we know you forgive, but we seek to be faithful. And sometimes we wonder in the middle of seemingly being punished for wisdom while watching others be rewarded for wickedness. We, we ask, where are you, O Lord? And yet Solomon draws us to who you are, to find the answer in your sovereignty. Help us grasp that. Help us live according to the knowledge and the reality that you are sovereign over all things. And help us to find the rest and contentment in life that is in such knowledge, that is in such hope. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. It is in the cross that we see God's sovereignty work out in its most glorious manifestation. And so we sing of that cross once again as we take the hymn book, the maroon book once more and turn to hymn number 199. Alas, and did my Savior bleed. Let us stand and lift our voice in praise to the God who purchased our salvation by singing hymn 199.
Peter wrote two of his letters, his two letters to the church, to a church that was suffering under persecution, a church that was pursuing righteousness, a church that was pursuing wisdom, a church that was serving its community, and yet finding persecution as the reward for that service. And he gave them this blessing that I leave with you as you go as well. The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. We say with the saints who have come before, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.